Ellie? Yeah. Cousin Mark, this is Cousin Ellie. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to be back on our podcast after however long it's been. Yeah, we should probably start keeping track of that. <laughs> Somebody should really tell us what day it is. Oh, my quarantine has been oof. <laughs> It's still happening. Yep. Um, so today is March 4th or March 5th, depending on if you're listening to this when it's airing. Um, and point. yeah, uh, the year of our Lord 2021, and we are still in quarantine. And waiting on our Lord, apparently. Yes. Oh, dear goodness. <laughs> but I have a question for you before we get into our amazing topic. Oh, sure. Of course. I was so curious. This is my go-to question for everyone I speak to now after some time. Have you gotten a vaccine yet? I have not. Okay. And I would really like one. Me too. Me too. Um, I keep trying to get Moderna to sponsor Space Trash, but so, <laughs> so far, so far, no dice, but... We'll take Johnson & Johnson too. Yeah, that's right. We're not picking. We're really not. We're just trying to survive. That's that's really what's happening at this point. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll I'll keep up hope for you. It sounds like they're rolling them out at this point. Like we have some family members who have gotten fully vaccinated at this point, and Point. and hopefully they'll just keep keep them coming because keep them coming. Us essential workers need them. Yeah, I did think that you were at least in the running. You were in the lottery. I, I thought I was too. I had a glimmer of hope uh, when my boss handed me a form saying, hey, if you sign this, we'll, we'll put you in line. Uh, as far as I know, nothing happened with those. So, um, Okay, but you filled out the form. That's got to feel... It, it, yeah, I took the action, and <laughs> that's right. Now I figure we just try to relax and and wait and just do our part. Yes, that's all we Plus, can do. We have to continue to. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say we have to continue to wear a mask, wash our hands. We love you. That's right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> I was thinking, like, once this is all over, we're going to have to come up with an entirely new sign-off, so I'm happy not to have to do the workout. Yeah. Yeah, whatever pandemic we'll have next. <laughs> My God. I do think that sometimes. Like, once we're out of the woods on this one, is there just always going to be another pandemic around the corner? Yeah. Oh, boy. No, let's not think about that now. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to the topic that I'm terribly excited to speak to you about because I'm so curious what your <laughs> thoughts are on your, should we say, our creative influences or inspirations? Yeah, the we'll we won't label it, but I mean, I guess okay. we need to label it if we have a title for the episode. Yep. I'm going to come up with something. You'll, you'll do great, I'm sure. Um, but, but yeah, um, you actually inspired, what inspired this topic was the fact that uh, you sent me a link to what was it, uh, the master classes, because you took the Roxanne Gay course? Yes, yes, I did. Did you yes. get the link? I did not. Oh, no. But the thought was there. I appreciate it. I don't you know. You did that wrong. I will fix that. I promise you. All right. But I, I was going to say, is Roxanne Gay one of your inspirations that you had in mind? Mm. Well, here's the thing. I mean, once you threw out there, so backing up a little bit, Cousin Mark was like, you know what? I'd really love to have a chat about who inspires us creatively as writers. And I thought, Lord, where do I begin? 
Mm-hmm. And so, of course, Roxanne Gay was top of mind because, like you said, um, there's all this hype that is completely legitimate about Roxanne Gay's masterclass on masterclass.com, which I would recommend to anyone and everyone because she's phenomenal and she's just had such a long career as a writer. And I would say the most inspiring thing I got from her was the fact that she writes across all genres and forms of writing. So she's an essayist and an activist and she writes fiction, nonfiction, novels, poetry, like all the things. Yeah, she is fantastic. (laughs) Yes. And one of the things she mentions in her class is that she has gotten to a point in her um, what would you call it? I want to say career, but like the, her skills and her craft where no matter what genre she writes across, she writes comic books as well. She's got comics oh. out there. I didn't know uh, that. Yes. And she's just getting into screenwriting. So she's going to be on your radar that way too. But what she said was that at this point in her, um, trajectory her voice remains consistent across whatever genre she's writing in so whatever she's writing in she's confident that if you didn't have her name attached to it you would know that it was her who wrote it no matter what it was Ooh, that's really interesting oh i was so inspired by that because i i have been so hesitant to move into fiction writing because i'm like but that's not like, I'm a poet. That's what I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So she definitely is an inspiration to me to move out across whatever you want to do. Just try it and see how it goes. Yeah, I do like that. And mm-hmm. that's, um, I know her. I listened to the audiobook of Hunger. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, so good. It was just very powerful. Yeah. And she's just, she has a cadence about her. And Mm. like every time I listen to her on like a podcast, even, she's just so certain about what she's saying. And it's, she is fascinating. I like her. (laughs) We like Roxanne Gay. And for sure, I know what you mean because when she's, teaching this class she is very on point and very direct and very confident and at the same time completely humble and encouraging and she just feels like you feel like you she does actually within the master class she does um, these mini writing workshops so she has writers on with her like um beginning writers like you you or I would be so she has them come on and read some of their pieces and then she gives feedback and she's just so gracious and just provides like I've never done a writer's workshop I don't know if you I'm sure you have I I went to school for screenwriting so I I did that part, but haven't I haven't really been back since. I took half of a sketch writing class. Um, <laughs> okay. For comedy sketches, and then I I am a sketch writing class dropout. But <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just gotta quit while you're ahead, you know? Yeah. It, It wasn't sparking joy, as Marie Kondo would say. (laughs) Oh, well, then it's not worth your time. Exactly. And And I was dating dating someone at the time. It was. (laughs) Ah, okay. Your time spread thin. Sorry, what was that? Said your time was spread thin. So something had to go. Exactly. Right. Listeners, don't do what I did. Stick with your writing and... (laughs) I mean, the thing is, like, it's so interesting, actually, that you bring that up because 
the truth is if you're not also living your life then you have nothing to write about in any case so yeah definitely so I think you were just doing like field work (laughs) (laughs) self-research yeah truly because I think that was another point I was going to make I feel like so much of my writing comes from just personal experiences or silly one-off jokes that I'm like oh how do I expand on that or how do I add that into a universe okay so you do you like jot stuff down randomly during the day like do you gather this stuff somewhere I usually do like I I am a post-it user so Ah. of post-it notes that I'll just quick write something down on put in my pocket and then when I come home I'll be like sometimes I'll be like what did this mean (laughs) who wrote this yeah why did I write down celery man (laughs) oh man I want to know I I do too (laughs) (laughs) it'll come to you in a rent at a random time like I definitely know um one of it's I have so many inspirational people and so many like influences and what I noticed when I started jotting down like who comes to mind I noticed that there were people that were very influential to me at the beginning of my writings Mm. of my like when I first started to get into it like for sure Elizabeth Gilbert was one because she was just so you know, don't be intimidated. Like you can just, it's all sort of writing is just playing with the universe and you're not locked into anything. You don't have to be the best at it. And so, yeah. And um, like Stephen Pressfield, the war of art, I think it was called the war of art. I think, Um, but just all of this sort of like, just start people who are just very encouraging, like just start and don't look back and try your best and it doesn't have to be perfect. So those were like my inspirations at the beginning. And now my, my inspirations are so different. Like there are people who are heavily involved in a certain crap, like certain poets or certain writers that I just gravitate towards because of their styles. Yeah. So I have like a whole slew of, I just have a whole slew of people yeah. who like, I constantly turn to. Yeah, it's and like I have people who like when I was when I was doing stand-up comedy uh, back in the day who I loved and now I look back on my work and I'm like, oh, that is that is a lot different than how I reacted back then. Really? Um, yes. I would say one of one of my favorite comedians was Sarah Silverman. And she was very edgy and racy back in the day. And I mean, I was like a teenage boy. So I was like, oh, this is funny. And now looking at it, I'm like, oh, no, this is this is. <gasps> Okay. Wow. I have not followed the Sarah Silverman career path. Yeah. Well, now Yeah. Now she acknowledges it and is changing and continuing to make positive change for what she's done and the people she's said things about. And it's just really interesting to see even how our inspirations can grow and evolve wow yes that's a really good point because people can be held accountable like way later and then you just have to see how they react to that like are they able to like you said like acknowledge it and then pivot and do better exactly I think that ties into 
I think we've we've discussed like cancel culture, accountability culture, whatever you want to call it. Yes. And it's so it's interesting to see how different people have have navigated that differently. Yeah, and I think if you can watch someone who's doing it successfully and gracefully and honestly, as it seems Sarah Silverman, as an example, has done, then it kind of gives you the courage to, you know, like there's there's so much fear in any case when you're creating something. And especially, I feel, this is, this is the way I personally feel, is that writing is an even more intimate form of art because maybe not intimate but I feel like when you're writing something you're saying things that can be judged you know about you personally like if you're making a joke or if you're writing a piece or an essay and you're expressing what you think about things (laughs) then that that makes you really vulnerable so you're afraid to do it in any case and then now you're afraid to do it in a way where it could offend someone or you say the wrong thing and it can be really stifling so if you see someone up there on the stage and then they have to go through like the judgment and then they come back from that you're like okay like you can't get through it if it were to happen to you yeah and it with the internet it's definitely that's happening so fast now where you post a tweet and it's immediately oh god Yes, I haven't been on Twitter much this past couple weeks because um, I've completely like tuned out of the news for a little while. But um, definitely when I pop on, I like to see your tweets and like the people that you follow and like their stuff because I like the comedy of it now. Oh, yeah, I I've realized when I look at too much politics, I just get depressed and I am not I'm just useless I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh. like the last half of last year completely consumed with it and now I'm like you know what I really want to get into my writing and I can't do both it seems yeah which uh, we have to do every now and then just for our own mental sanity mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I definitely, um, I can tell a difference in myself. Like you mentioned the masterclass and I am going to make sure that you get that link because I want you at least to take the Roxanne Gay one. Um, If you can, it's, it's cool how they set it up because the masterclass lets you take, for instance, Roxanne Gay teaches writing for social change. And then the whole course I think is like, maybe 15 different videos so they're split up into topics and each one is between six and 12 minutes okay so it's very like bite-sized like you can listen to one real quickly you know what i mean like while you're driving somewhere or while you're working or whatever the case and um so I love the way it's broken down like that. And I just feel like I'm so much, like you were saying, mental health wise, I'm so much less stressed out and more inspired by taking writing courses and just thinking about the writing for the sake of the craft of the writing. Yeah. As opposed to like, because there's all different kinds of writing, right? Like I was getting into like activism writing and political stuff at the end of last year. But now I'm like completely consumed with flash fiction and studying um, another masterclass that I took, who is another inspiration of mine is Margaret Atwood. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who did the handmaid's tale and like, I don't know, 60 other incredible books. And she teaches a masterclass about like the art of storytelling. So she takes you through point of view right like first first person point of view third person point of view and like the characters story versus plot and all of these things that are very technical 
and she talks about how in um I forget what what book it was specifically but she had written it in one perspective and got like a hundred pages in and was like this isn't gonna work like it's just not getting me to where I need the story to go so she undid it and did it in third person like omniscient view oh wow yeah and she's like and then the whole thing just like flowed out of her like she had to change that one thing and then all of a sudden she was able to do all the things she wanted to do I was just so inspired by that that someone would would mess around with the technical stuff and then all of a sudden was able to tell the story that's amazing Mm. 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 so amazing and this is all new territory for me like yeah because you do I know you you have your two books, uh, Luminae and Vane, available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Um, so, but yeah, I've looked at a couple of your fiction pieces, and they're they're amazing. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you for taking a peek. I appreciate that. Of course. And it is... I know it can be like daunting to change genres and because I, I like tried to dip my toe from comedy into like horror at one point. And I was like, Oh, am I doing any of this right? How do wow. I, like, how do I use what I know and turn it into something I don't know? That's cool. Yeah. So it's a really interesting, difficult process. So I commend you for trying. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I do, like, it has, it's something I've done before in the sense that, like, at the beginning, beginning, before I even had my books, I had an inspirational type blog, like an right? Inspiring creatives, inspiring writers. So that was another different kind of writing. And then when I felt like I was just done with that, and I was like, I'm going to close, I'm going to stop publishing here. And I'm going to start publishing just like poetry and prose. And I started a whole new website. And certain people were like, Oh, no, like, you can't do that. That's not like, we're so used to you as this kind of writer. We're so sad that you won't be doing that anymore. And that can stop you, I think, sometimes. Or it can keep you where you don't want to be anymore. Um, And I just had to kind of be like, I'm so glad that we had this time together and that I did what I did. And now I have to do something that feels right for me and, like, start a whole new, not a whole new following because some people still stick with you. Um, But you kind of go through this change where some people stick and some people don't because they're in it for the type of writing that you're doing and they don't really want to see everything that you do you know so it can be kind of intimidating that way and then I had people who were loyal to me because of Luminae and that kind of writing and now that I've changed again they're just not as into it but I have to say like I feel like for myself as a creative person like it's more fulfilling to do what you need to do and not worry about how many followers stick with you. Like you got to start over and start from ground zero. It's still really worth it. Oh, definitely. And your past work is still there and it's what you needed to do at the time. And now you are, you're evolving. Yes. I think that's natural, right? It's probably a natural process because you get bored. Like, or not bored, but you, you feel like you want the next thing or something else. And I, and again, like Roxanne Gay talking about how she did that really made me feel like, okay, that's a thing that you can do. You don't, just because you're a poet doesn't mean you can't also write novels. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, yeah, but definitely scary and rewarding. I hope. <laughs> yeah, maybe both have to go hand in hand, sort of. Because if it's not a little scary, then you don't feel like you're 
changing or growing, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I'll change things up a little bit. How did you do with horror? What's going on with horror? Um, that is still in the process. Um, it is, I am still warming my toes, getting, what's the phrase? <laughs> Dipping my toes in, warming up yeah, to it. Yeah. I mixed up like seven different phrases there. <laughs> your toes in horror that's <laughs> I think that's the thing um but do you have like when you're like we talked about a few of the people that have been inspiration for me like when you think about what you do as a writer are there inspirations like people in who write horror that you are like wow that's a good like I want to learn more about their process uh one first person to come to mind um i know jordan peele who was a comedian and then transitioned to horror so that's a really interesting case and i think i heard in an interview he said that they are very similar in how they're structured in a way really yeah i don't know the exact quote or how it exactly related but I think I'm the kind of guy who wants to figure things out on my own Ah, okay yep so I'm like okay how do I build this suspense and then and I guess that's even comedy you build the suspense and it either ends in a joke just like a complete left turn or Mm -hmm for horror I guess in a in a scare in a whatever the horror equivalent of a joke is (laughs) well no (laughs) it makes sense because um like it's it's just right about tension and then release yes so there has to be this tension and then there has to be a release, whether it's a laugh or a scream or um, I don't know if you've gotten into, I can recommend this, um, The Sinner. That's Ooh. a series on Netflix right now. And it's really good. And it's like murder mystery. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you would really enjoy it. I would recommend seasons one and season three. All right. Not season two. Season two were like a couple were you don't have to watch them in order. I mean, you should, but you don't have to. It kind of follows the life of the detective who solves each of the cases, and each season is a different case. And the case takes the main role. So the backstory is like this detective. Um, but it's I've been watching it, and it's even more fascinating now because I've been taking these classes about storytelling and how you develop a plot and then like you were saying like how do you where's the tension and then where's the release and then throughout throughout the story how you plant clues or like at the end there has to be some sort of a tying it all together yeah there's definitely a structure to it um uh bringing me to one of my inspirations uh dan Harmon. Um, he I don't is, know who that is. Tell me. <laughs> he is the head writer of uh, the show Community. Um, he also does Rick and Morty. But uh, one thing about he has a very specific uh, story structure where it's like you start one place and then the character wants something. And then they go to get it. And I think they find it. And there are a couple more steps to it. But it's just, you can go through like all these TV shows and they all have this structure, like whether they're fully aware of it or not. Yes, it totally changes. I That's so interesting because it totally changes how you watch 
TV and movies. Yes. Because then you're you're just constantly looking for it. And I remember I had a screenwriting professor uh, who would tell us to, when we watch a show, to, like, write out, okay, what was the inciting incident? What was the first act climax? What was the second act climax? And so on. Mm. And it's just really fascinating when you when you're able to do that yeah because like part of it is it it sort of breaks down like what was a complete ignorant mystery to me before right like i would just watch a show and i'd be like that was cool <laughs> but now it's like oh there's all these little pieces of the puzzle and there's reasons why this happened here, there, you know, like the whole thing sort of flows together. And it, in some ways, makes me a little, a very tiny, tiny little bit less intimidated to even think about writing a novel because it becomes, okay, this is manageable, right? If you know what the structure should be. Mm-hmm. And then you start breaking it down into sort of chunks of like what you just said like here's what happens in the first chapter in order to end in such a way that the reader wants to read the second chapter like it's just kind of a constant keeping the reader engaged until the end yeah and it's a challenge for sure but it is nice to know that it's almost not quite a fill in the blanks but that there is such a tried and true structure that you Mm -hmm. follow yeah yeah so I'm kind of uh trying to piece it all together I've listened to Roxane Gay I've listened Roxane Gay's was more not about the structure of a novel per se but how to become the writer that you know true to your voice type thing and then be able to write across all different genres margaret atwood and then i also took another one by a writer that i had never heard of who is named walter mosley all right he's written like 60 novels so he's just like uh he wrote um and i'm gonna forget the name devil in a blue dress And it became a movie starring a very young Denzel Washington, I believe. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So in any (laughs) master class recommended it to me. And I was like completely riveted by this guy. And another thing that he had said was that there's a lot of, truth telling in fiction like I always thought of like up until now a lot of my stuff was more like um um one of my inspirations Sylvia Plath like a confessional poet or like a like you something reads almost like it's your journal um because I like to get at the soul of a thing I like to get at the truth of a thing and one of the things that never really I never really thought about in such a way was that sometimes you need to write fiction in order to get at the truth. Yes. Hmm. I really, <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> really? Okay. So yeah. I feel like that is how I process a lot of what I'm going through personally in at any time. Like I feel like what I write is such a reflection of, how I'm feeling at the moment or what I'm going through in certain ways. I think like maybe it's telling that I'm trying to write horror now. Oh God. Is everything okay? Should we stop I, the, the podcast? I don't know if you've heard, but there's a pandemic out there. Uh, oh yes. Good God. <laughs> How could I forget? But yeah, it's fun. It's fun to think about how 
like when I look back on my writing, like in the past, I'm like, oh, that character is feeling what I'm feeling or, or even just noticing common themes from Mm. any points of your writing. Yeah. Like when I, I think I happen to write a lot about breakups because I think I, I'm always more inspired to write when I'm going through a breakup. Oh, really? So you're like an in the moment, like you're going through it and you're going to write about it then as opposed to I got to process this and I'll write about it later. Yes, a little bit of both. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I think that's such a it's such a personal story, but it's also a universal story. Like everybody's been through breakup. So that's kind of like a point where you know that it people can meet you there. People can meet you where you're at and relate to that. And that makes them, I don't know, um, just it's, it's kind of like this idea that writing makes people feel less alone. Yeah. Then even, it can be like a coping mechanism to write and then also a coping mechanism just to watch, like when you're feeling sad and you want to watch a sad movie. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. 100%. <laughs> and in fact, that just made me have a thought and it was that I have, well, you said you read a couple of my recent flash fiction so I have definitely a bend towards sort of the melancholy I guess you might call it Mm -hmm. like um saying things that you wouldn't say in a regular conversation with people because people wouldn't get it or they wouldn't want to hear it because everybody wants you to be super positive all the time yeah um and there's there's people who will write to me and say just like I like this just resonated with me like you're not trying to fix it you're just trying to show it for what it is and there's something cathartic about that yeah definitely whereas some people might read it and they'd be like oh like like they'll they'll write a comment that's trying to you know (laughs) This is so cliche, but it's like, smile, girl, feel better. You know, like, (laughs) don't show us that you're sad. We don't need to hear that. You should be happy. You're a girl. Yeah. I think there's definitely part of that for me that it is so refreshing and fulfilling to be able to go to my writing space and just say the thing, just freaking say it. Yeah. And, and I don't have to save anybody and I don't have to owe anybody anything and I don't have to explain it. Like that's really, that's one of the things that I've learned over the years is just, you know, you don't explain and you don't defend yourself or at least I don't anymore. Yeah. And I think fiction is such a powerful way of doing that. I'm sure poetry yes. is too, but just storytelling can be such a, powerful way of having people relate to your characters and really what's going on in your mind yes definitely and you can be in there's parts of you in all the characters like there's parts of me who could be in you know the um i'm i'm not i'm trying to think how to say this one of the teachers, I think it was Mosley, said something like, there's, <laughs> you can create, like, the most evil of characters because that's in you to create that. Like, it's not pretty, but it's part of being human that there's part of you that can be really diabolical and you can express that through characters safely. Yeah. In a way, like for instance, Stephen King. I don't read any of his shit because he scares the <laughs> hell out of me. <laughs> but I have mad respect 
respect for the man. Like, I mean, that, that you could write, right? Like, imagine you wrote a book like Stephen King, and then we go to like family Easter gathering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, so Mark, what are you working on? And you're <laughs> like, well, <laughs> like, it's such a complete removal from your every your regular everyday mundane interactions not that our family is mundane because actually our family is wild and lovely and nice. creative and we have a imaginative. Lot of- <laughs> but you wouldn't necessarily know how to discuss like this like some sort of craziness with your loved ones do you feel that way am i what oh, i'm saying does it make a sense? thousand percent okay okay <laughs> like even when i'm describing things i'm watching um i recently started um the hbo show i may destroy you <gasps> oh my goodness okay i haven't worked up the nerve how tell me it's very good for our listeners that don't know it is about a woman who gets assaulted and how she sexually assaulted and how she deals with that and just her process of how she's coping and it's funny at times and heartbreaking a lot of the time but it is just so well done um I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to watch it. Yes. It's so good. I know the main writer who plays the actress. I I really should know her name. I know she's been in a few episodes of Black Mirror. Um, okay. But she's she's phenomenal. Uh, Roxanne Gay talks about how phenomenal um Michaela Cole is yes is that her that's her name I may destroy you star Michaela Cole yes she's she's incredible Michaela my apologies for not knowing your name I'm terrible should hear me talk about Elizabeth mixing up Elizabeth and Kate Moss I know that's right. Oh no. We don't know. What do we know? There's so many things going on. And there's so many, my lord, there's so much to watch and so much to take in. And that show in particular, I may destroy you. I know people were really upset that it got completely overlooked at the Golden Globes, I think it was. Yes. That's what made me want to Yes. So talk about how we need to expand as a cult, a cultural and a society. Like we, there's so much going on. There's so much changing. And, you know, I, that's what, one of the things I loved about this master class, like the three classes that I've taken, Roxanne Gay, right? Mm-hmm. Black feminist. Um, just incredible, incredible class. And it was so generous of these people to teach these things and share what they've learned over the years. It's just, it's just amazing. Like it makes me excited about being a writer again, as opposed to like feeling like you have to be stuck in a certain genre. Yeah. It's like, you can do so much. You can do anything. That's true. I feel that sometimes it can be overwhelming for me just because I feel like I have to encapsulate all of culture into what I'm writing. Like mm. this character is this. How do they feel about these social issues? And yes, just when I get into all of that, that I feel like that's my main problem of what holds me back. Yeah, it's too overwhelming because then it becomes research about how every different kind of person feels about every different thing. Right. And it's almost imbo- it's impossible because yes. These are as much as you want to make your characters human, 
their characters, not actual people. (laughs) Yes. And it's true. Like, people do research for years if they want to write outside of their own cultural norms. Yeah. And it's just, we keep learning more and more every day, every second. Every second, exactly. Because there's every every person, there's every kind of person as, there's as many kinds of people as people out there. But I think that also that, um, There's there's more effort. I notice it through like a lot of the po- poetry magazines that I follow and read. Um, a couple of one of the things I wanted to mention about one of my biggest inspirations right now is not a person, but a magazine called the Paris Review. Okay. I don't know if you, have you ever heard of this? I had heard of it just in passing, but I never got into it. And I finally started reading it and subscribed and it's just so so I mean it's almost incredibly intimidating the prowess of these writers and their fiction writers nonfiction writers poetry screenwriting little short films there's just a ton of incredible talent and all kinds of backgrounds and orientations and there's just so much that you can spend time with and it takes time like it takes time to read through all these things and then like you said by the time you're done reading like a whole issue of a magazine everything's changed all over again but yeah and i definitely try to diversify yes so in it was called the paris review is yes the paris is it just works of fiction or is it or work is it pieces of art or it's so it's um it's a magazine that comes out four times a year and it is full of fiction pieces and essays and they're long form so short stories um okay fiction fiction and then there's poetry and it's again like it's in depth so it's writers um one of my inspirations since i want to say two or three years ago is a poet named ocean vong i don't know if you've ever heard of him but um he's just absolutely like literally one of these writers where his poetry is so devastatingly gut-wrenchingly good that I finished yeah like I finished his book called Night Sky with Exit Wounds and it was just I mean uh his parents are Asian immigrants and he identifies as queer and he just writes about all of these very very like his personal intimate stories and you just he's he's incredible his manipulation of language is just phenomenal and incredible and um and his first book was so good that I bought his second book and I am afraid to read it because it's going to be so devastatingly good that it has been on my shelf. It's called on earth. We're briefly gorgeous. And it's been on my shelf since it came out. Like I pre-ordered it, have it, and I'm still afraid to read it. Wow. Yeah. It's such a funny feeling being afraid to start reading something or watching something. And then when you finally do, it's almost like, oh, well, that was that was that that was powerful and amazing. But I do get that apprehension about it. It's just um, there have been this is one of the things I wanted to mention to you, too. I wrote it down in my in my notes. Um, There maybe this is just me. Maybe it's me being a freak. There are people that I had to stop following, stop reading, because they were so incredibly powerfully good. And 
it would shut me down. Like it would so intimidate me that I couldn't produce any of my own stuff. I had, I had to unhitch myself from them in order to even be able to write another thing again. Wow. <laughs> that is that crazy. That's crazy. It is, but it, I also resonate with it. Um, <laughs> there was a, another one of my inspirations, uh, Maria Bamford. Um, okay, tell me what that is. Uh, she is a stand-up comedian. Um, she does a lot. She's had a lot of mental health adventures that she does a lot of her stand-up around. And okay. it's just very inspiring to take, for me, taking care of my own mental health and figuring out what's going on. But also she has just such a funny way of looking at things. And yeah. one of her bits in her most recent special is it's saying, why does everything have to be so good and amazing? it's like I think she says like I admire a two star experience just the inability to get any better (laughs) I like wow like my blood pressure just went down right like and it's it's hilarious but it also brings up the point like we're not we're not all going to be rock stars exactly right so like when we keep comparing ourselves to these people it's it's not helpful we do have to find our own footing and do what we need to do at the time yes that's such a perfect segue because that's exactly right and i i was just like you know what if these people are so in my mind, they're so good that they're stifling my own voice, then I just need to get away from their shine. (laughs) Exactly. It's like you want, like, you look for inspiration, but then it can be like at some point you have to just come home to yourself and find it inside yourself. Yes. So as good as it's like it's like don't meet your heroes almost. <gasps> mm, that's a tricky one. Yeah, that could be devastating. I'm sure. I don't oh, yeah. really get out and meet a lot of people, but yeah, I mean, because... as we've seen, right, time after time, these people who've been put on pedestals come crashing down. Yes. And, and there is, like, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it is, it does make us realize how human these people are. Like, mm-hmm. we can think their work's amazing and perfect, and then we see them go through their struggles, and if they bounce back or not. Yeah. And there is, like, this sort of machine, too, like, that is sort of the fa- the f- machine of fame right like this engine yeah. of like like once you become a public figure as a writer or an artist and then all of a sudden you're so visible and you're so vulnerable and you're expected to um Liz Gilbert had a had a um TED talk about this like the idea of the genius like someone who the like she had her first novel was Eat Pray Love and it just went completely ballistic viral and she didn't even like she had no idea that would happen right so then it's like the biggest book and the biggest deal and she, you know there's the movie and she's all of a sudden famous as an author and then it was like what's your second book? And she's like, oh, shit. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I already peaked. Yeah. I think Hannah has a similar joke about that in her special after Nanette. (laughs) Which Nanette was so powerful, heartbreaking, amazing. 
Yes, I did see it. It was. And then her next special, she's like, so you all like Nanette. How am I going to top that? Yes. And as an artist, I have to watch the, the the second one. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, I I don't know if I ever finished it, but <laughs> it wasn't as good as Nanette. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's what um, you know. I believe that's what I what I took away from Liz's talk about that was just like you have to accept that that is just how this goes and your commitment is to your relationship to writing and what it is for your soul to be a writer and it's not to whether or not you're going to be popular or have the you know a better or worse book than the last book you did like this is a lifelong love affair basically is what she says and you just have to accept that in a way you know like the work, the joy is in the doing of the work, the creating of the thing. Yes. I, that's a really powerful, good message. I mm-hmm. used the word powerful like 20 times this episode. I am so, I feel super powerful right now. Yeah. I need a, I need a thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Lord. Next next episode, we're going to have a couple of different words for powerful. We're going to use them. Yes, it'll be life-changing. <laughs> it's going to be a very life-changing. That could be one. Powerful, life-changing. Moving. Moving, uplifting. I feel like we need a word for inspiring. I feel Ooh. like inspiration. Inspiration is like one of those words anymore. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Words lose their meaning all the time. They do. That's why we make new words up. We make up words now. There you go. Next week, we'll make up some new words. (laughs) Wait till you you hear the new words we have ready for y'all. Yep. (laughs) Super. I will say, I know that inspiring has become a cliche word, but... I am massively inspired by this conversation. I am too. This was a great, this was a great session. This was a really, (laughs) (laughs) they're like sessions. Not that it's like therapy, but it kind of is. Yeah. This feels like a weird form of group therapy where (laughs) we're the only ones contributing. (laughs) (laughs) We have to heal ourselves, Mark. There's no one left. Everyone's dying of the pandemic. Oh, oh boy. It's an apocalyptic situation. Yeah. It'll be a good good thing to inspire some horror stories. Horror. Then there are like comedy horror stories, right? So you can combine them. I could. Who's who's to say I can't? Who's to say you couldn't do that? I mean do what you want. I think that's the takeaway from this episode. Do what feels right for you now. Yeah. And don't be afraid to try something new. If what you're, what you're trying, if you're stuck. Yes. Put a new spin on it. Don't stay where you're feeling uninspired and low energy because life is short. It's it's not worth it. It's time to move on. Shake things up. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. We are good at this. I mean, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a great note to close on. We have a lot to think about and I'm going to once again recommend to everyone masterclass.com. We are not sponsored by them, but if, are, if you'd like to masterclass, feel free to hit us up. And I'm going to send Mark an email with a seven-day trial, and I get two more emails. So if you're listening and you'd like one, just... <laughs> Special space draft <laughs> giveaway. <laughs> that's right that's right i mean we're generous we want to share the love yeah we that's what we're here to do 
That's what we're here to do. And with that, Mark's going to sign us off with ways to show love for yourself and the people around you during what is still the pandemic that we're going through, Mark. Yeah, um, I'll take it away. Um, Please, everyone, continue to wash your hands, wear a mask, and know that we love you.